0: The biggest thing Smash that you have to worry about is just the quality. Yeah, like that's the biggest thing. Like when you when you spread too thin, the quality gets hit. Um, I agree. With that. So yeah. that's yeah. my biggest. That's that, on my That's world the right biggest now. because because, it, because it's inevitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you're the leader, and like you're spreading your attention, like quality is going to take a hit when you are not focused on certain things. Welcome
1: to Ria Radio, episode ninety two with. It's a
2: golden bird. <laughs> oh man that's I. I you know you know what you're rolling these off now. just like it never happened that you had your difficulties in the beginning. I need two so. episodes later. I hope <laughs> yeah. I can. Yeah. you're hitting your stride, <laughs> man. It only took 92 of them. I love it. You're listening to Rio Radio, the nationally trusted name in
1: real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get an investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out realradio.com. Okay, I got my pet peeve of the week. You ready? Okay, is it about me? No. <laughs> okay. What, what's your pet peeve? <laughs> not this. Not today, anyway. Okay, man. So. Okay, people, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing rentals or short term rentals, like just keep this in mind. And this could even be a golden nugget, but do not buy a property that has absolutely terrible neighbors. <laughs> Why do you say that, Ted? It, it Give me a multitude. I'm just gonna give you a few of my personal examples here. So I my my first renovation house I did, my first buy and hold, uh, I had a neighbor that was like upset that I was buying this house. So what the neighbors looked good but I had I had that guy next door that um, you know and here I am hey here's my card you know this is what I'm doing big mistake. Uh, you know, this guy complained about the trees being hangover. He got complained about trash flying into his yard. And talking about a house that was condemned for 10 years, I think, that had bums living in it, doors missing in the front. And here I am. How doing, dare you improve? Doing it. a $90,000 rental on this place. And he was like, everything he complained about, right? Complained about people that were live there. He complained about, uh, he's the one that called the city on me for like, I didn't even realize that there was an alley because I'm 20 feet and there was like a, a crevice going down. And he called, kept on calling the city because there's overgrowth going in the alley that was not accessible <laughs> and I, i'm like and i remember i got the first notice and i go there's an alley <laughs> i'm like are you kidding me and i my at the time i had a tahoe and i couldn't even get the tahoe up the alley because there's there so much broken concrete and stuff in there i'm like come on people really anyway so uh but this house this property we're in right now one side i have a rental property on the south side here that you can see holes going through the soffits Mm-hmm. And the yard's nasty, and and the the people living there are they're better than the north side. <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: on the north side, <laughs> this is kind of like a compliment sandwich here. You
1: know, I I got another a property that looks like crap. You know, they uh, I was actually excited because the house went for sale. I'm like, oh man, they're, they're both these houses went for sale actually, and I'm like, oh man, beginning people are probably flippers. They see how nice my building is here, and it, they both got worse. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and then so, the, you know, the family moved out next door. Like, I took a picture and said to you guys once because, like, literally there was a storm knocked the power lines down and it was like three inches from the pool that they put in. And the kids are still playing in the pool with the water lines, with the power lines <laughs> hanging over it. And I'm like, and I called the realtor and I'm like, really? And I go, you got power lines down and they're hanging over the pool and the kids are playing in the pool. Like, you grab on them. And, uh, and so and nobody the there spoke English. So I couldn't, like, go talk to them and, and, and figure it out nor, nor did i think they cared so they moved out i'm like oh man this is gonna get a lot better no there's 10 people who live next door now <laughs> and they uh and they they buy uh wrecked cars and <laughs> oh, and they, and, they, and they in the backyard's a body shop so i think i have four broken down cars in the backyard now for the last year and uh parts everywhere and now they added uh Two huskies on there, and they and they're chained up, and they're in the backyard twenty four seven at, at hundred degree temperatures. And uh, I had the unfortunate situation where my my dog passed away uh, two days ago. I'm very sorry I to hear that. I too. appreciate that it. It's rough. And uh, and so here I'm, I'm taking my dog to the to the um, local humane society, and I'm like, you know, while I'm at it, I'm gonna save a dog's life. I written did a written report. I'm like these dogs outside are huskies. They're outside twenty four seven. I go besides. My One of my biggest complaints lately is they start barking at three and four in the morning nonstop. Um, the dogs shouldn't be chained up outside. Right. And I don't see water out there half the time. They they think they put water out in the morning and then that's it for the day. Huskies die in the heat
2: like we're having right now, too. And, and so, I mean, literally,
1: literally die. I put a report in with the city. Uh, well, I Good went, for I you. So, so I went, I reported the dogs. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm on a I'm on a rampage today. I'm I'm really sick of of, of the neighbors, and so I I also reported the the property uh, to the city. I put a report in for uh, for oh shots fired. I'm just done. And and I'm like it, I'm like you come you can come here some days, and there literally will be six people passed out on the front porch at in the morning at nine in the morning still with bottles everywhere. You know, and then the other day they didn't. They were so mad that I put a fence up because they were starting to park in my front yard that they dug out half of their front yard yeah. and and have a mud uh, entry and for their for their additional parking. And I'm just like, I'm just done. I'm done. So I, I reported it. I reported that to the city too, as far as like how it looks. Plus, I guarantee you these aren't registered rental properties because they got to the register rentals here. And I'm not like a, trying to be that guy, but they're they're eyesores and they and they cost me. They've costed me tens of thousands of dollars because I've had so many nurses come my eyes twitching. I right, know <laughs> I can see it uh, I get I get I get so many nurses coming in here and, the, and they're like, oh no, nope, not living here. this looks super sketch.
2: but my property looks really nice in today's episode of real estate rage, <sighs> we have Ted Kosh <laughs> <laughs> coming in coming in firing I'm like I'm, and, and the, oh, man I, I so the main side you
1: know I, I called up and I'm like, did you guys not show up? And they're like, sorry, we, we went there. We didn't see anything. And then I, so I, I, uh, I, I emailed him this picture with the broken down car with no wheels on blocks. And then the dogs are all in the shade huddled underneath it. I'm like, you guys are definitely missing something. Trust me. Yeah. So,
2: so to- we'll call that today's golden, golden nugget. nugget today's golden nugget is brought to you by jm real estate capital
1: Hi, it's rob jm real estate capital we're the money guys that you need to know for all your real estate investments talk to us we can do what your local bank can't or won't do we don't have millions we have trillions with a t to lend 844 we close or go online at jmrecapital.com that's jmrecapital.com jm real estate capital
2: smart solutions for the real estate investor <laughs> uh, what? you can't change your you can't pick your neighbors and you can't change your neighbors and that's one of my i, I actually I, I love that tip though because it's you you don't want to buy houses that you can't change those things and they say you know fences make the best neighbors but you're still going to have people that drive by especially if you're running a you know short-term rental uh business like they look at the neighbors too and if they're loud at night that affects you and them and it sucks i i got <laughs> I mean, besides what I paid for this place, I mean, guys, this is a
1: five-unit conversion house that is makes a really good apartment for how it's done. And I'm not a huge fan of conversions just up front, but it works really well with my situation. This property, I have literally invested 350000 into as far as the renovations go, adding a parking lot. But you, you, like you said, you can't, you can't fix these guys. Like Ultimately, I'd like to buy all these neighbors out. And, and really own this and and make it something, but if you're listening to this right now, you have to look at your neighbors because it can ruin you. It can ruin your business. It can make your eye twitch. And, <laughs> uh, it, and I, I mean, I had a plan here, but I but I was also so green on what I was buying. I didn't you know I didn't know. I and honestly, I should have probably put fifty thousand into this place. Just kept it a traditional rental pr- property, and I, and probably done a lot better uh, with it. A lot less headaches too. Yeah, probably. But in, in in gone forward with spending that money buying the neighbors' homes, and and could have completely changed my trajectory. But you know what? It's all learning lessons. To
3: me, to me, Ted, like reporting neighbors that are not upkeeping the properties, whether they are renters or um or they are actual homeowners. I don't see a problem with that because at the end of the day everybody is responsible for the upkeep of their property, right? Whether you're a landlord or you're a homeowner, you need to upkeep it. So if you have come in, redone this entire place, and then you have two ISOs next door, then I think that you're in every like you have every right to report the the state of the the two properties next to you. And yes, your your business has been affected, but I mean, the people that are live in, there are probably living in some horrible conditions.
1: Well, I mean, one, one side's got broken windows from a hailstorm, you know, and, and we had such bad hail here last year, it broke the windows out and they just threw plexiglass in it. The broken windows are still sitting on the roof. and I mean, it, it, and there's holes I can see in where all the animals are getting their attics.
2: I mean, Dennis, you're 100% right. The, the downside is, though, like, you know, snitches get stitches. Right. So, you, if you call it in, you got to worry about retribution. So, whether it's direct or indirect. So, you may, you know, like if you call in, they find out somehow that it was you, or they like guess that it was you because you're the only nice place on the entire block. Mm -hmm. And they say, Oh, your neighbor complained. And they'll be like, Well, gee, I wonder who that is.
3: So, and then
2: they, and then all of a sudden, they, your tires are slashed, or they're harassing you when you try and walk in, or they're they're messing with your Airbnb guests.
3: So, there's there's that. There's no anonymous reporting. Eh? Like I don't understand. Why would they come and say, well, your name obviously there would be retribution if it is you literally sell out the neighbor. The
1: the pet side is um the pet side's anonymous, but the actual reporting of the junk I don't think is.
2: And and it's one of those things it it may very well be anonymous, but if they call in to try and address a code violation and they're real like who called this in, they'd like, Oh, a neighbor, and they'll have that in the notes, and then somebody might look at that and read it to the person calling in about it. And then they're gonna put two and two together, or at least think they are. And they may they maybe be like, you know what? Screw all my neighbors. I'm just gonna go do crap to all of their properties. There's just you know, when you have a, a people element in there, especially ones that aren't making good decisions in life, they may that's the downside. So they're, they're, that's the risk of, of trying to improve your neighborhood by policing it.
3: But then but then no neighborhoods would not be improved because of the crap that the city is doing with when it comes to actually giving information and being reported. Right? Yeah, yeah. So so anybody from the city listening to this, like get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> like, you. Please <laughs> come on, like I mean Ted's over here biting his tongue.
2: <laughs> well <laughs> when you came here, do you like what is the what is the building situation like in there? I'm assuming there's a lot less red tape. Uh, but there's ob- obviously trade-offs with safety and things like that. Yeah. But it's gotten so, like, difficult here. And we've talked about this with Tamara. And it's like, it's so difficult to operate, uh, you know, a business that actually cash flows in real estate because of all the regulations. It's just insane everything you have to go through.
3: Uh, the, 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 the difference in Trinidad is, um, and I'm not any kind of contractor with any kind of experience back home, but... Um, the construction back home you just have to just like how you all have have a city here um, we have to go to it's called town and country and when we speak to them we let them know okay we want to build they would come out survey the land and then they would say where you need to how much space you need to to, um, to give from the boundary line or whatever the case is and where you could start building your foundation and we don't have basements back home we just do slab on grade and pour your concrete Paya blocks and we use clay blocks. We don't use wood, so red clay, clay, clear. clay. Oh, I thought he said clay. I thought you said clear too. But I was yes, like clay. plastic, <laughs> glass. What are we talking? I was here? like, that's got to be
1: cool.
2: <laughs> clay, clay blocks. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we
3: use clay blocks. Okay? There you go. Okay, your
2: best American accent going here. Uh,
3: and and we use um and we we do mortar on the on the the, the walls to smoothen it out, and then we we just paint prime and paint. So we don't have siding or anything like that. It's literally just brick and mortar. Oh,
1: well, yeah, black walls. You don't need siding. It's just beautification. Yeah,
3: yeah. It, exactly.
2: Um, well, that's interesting. So, yeah, just well, brick, hey, brick I think mortar. we should do a field trip to uh, Trinidad just so we can check out the
3: difference in uh, building codes. But the thing that we have is we have steel roofs because of the hurricanes. So we have I-beams on our roofs, and we use um, C-purling and Z-purling to hold the, uh, the galvanized sheeting onto the the um the i beams.
2: It sounds like you just cussed a lot, but you really didn't. Pulling. <laughs> pulling. All those words you're throwing in there. c pulling and z pulling. <clears throat> anyway. So, okay. Well, hey, that's rant, interesting. Uh, rant over, but that was uh gosh. That's so
1: frustrating. You know, I'm I've been dealing with some city issues, but I'm gonna just wait till the, to see what kind of happens over the next week or two and uh hopefully I can uh give you guys an update, a positive update on some city issues I'm dealing with. So uh stay tuned. Uh, for stay that. tuned, <laughs> listener.
2: So, uh well, let's talk about today's guest, Spencer Goldenberg. A, a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> he's so funny. Like he's he has done a lot and he is so driven and motivated, uh, to do big things. It's just, it's funny meeting him because I don't know what it is about him. He's just generally polished and wears a suit. Not that he's not, you'll, you'll see on the episode here, yeah. but, uh, he's just a driven dude, really goal oriented, wants to do big stuff, uh, broker developer, uh, Builder gonna be uh, soon anyway. Here when he breaks ground, our, our probably our second biggest bleeped out uh, episode we've ever had. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah, Dennis got his work cut out for him on this one. Um, but no, he so this is really really cool. If you like cool redevelopment projects, man, stay tuned for this one. He's gonna be building a multi family community in an area right now that has a lot of stuff going for it, but it has a huge eyesore. And uh, a long constructed property uh, that's made up of grain silos. And I feel like these grain silos have been brought up probably two or three times
1: throughout throughout the life of our podcast. It's
2: like a visible uh, monument in Omaha when you're driving along the interstate. People notice them. And uh, he'll tell you the whole story uh, in, in the podcast, but it's uh, it's going to be really neat. I can't wait to see this thing take
1: shape. <laughs> what are you monu- laughing
3: at? A monument is making me think like it's a wonder of the Omaha metro. Well, it's
1: the
2: eighth wonder of the world.
3: I mean, at, <laughs> one, point, at
1: one point, they made it like an art studio. They're, they did one really cool thing with these silos because there's such an eyesore that like <laughs> 10 years ago, they the artists did these uh, big murals, oh, murals that uh, draped down and they went down the whole length of
2: each side was cool definitely oh, nice. a conversation piece that's for sure yeah and,
1: and i i wish they would have left it. i really don't understand why they, they spent all that money putting those things up and bolting them to it
2: i yeah and i it, don't and it looked, i and think it, it changed hands or something or I, I don't know it was a permitting issue something I it don't looked know. really nice spencer probably knows i i think we talked about it i think we did yeah so well, well let's find out <laughs> <Let's find out. laughs> it's been a we're recording this intro uh, a couple weeks later after the after the podcast but uh so our memory gets a little fuzzy with old fashions and whatnot but whatever, we, but, whatever not right Dennis? Yeah. you know there's a there's a proper way to say that
1: oh, oh what is it and it's called whatnot. Oh. oh, oh, thanks. So yeah. I didn't know. <laughs>
2: so can you get it right for next time? I will. I will work on that. Okay, thank you. Well, let's get into today's podcast with Spencer Goldenberg. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. This has been a long time coming. I wanted to get you on and talk about all the commercial real estate world that you live in and uh, these hot deals you got coming down the pipeline. But first... The question I wanted to ask you is, do you know the um, origin of the term Rock Chalk Jayhawk? <laughs>
3: what? Oh.
0: Well, okay. Rock Chalk. Uh, well, it's from the it's from what they built the buildings out of. It's like Limestone. the stone. It's the stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The stone from like on campus. And I feel like that's where, it, that's what I was always told it came from. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the, the,
2: the science department at the University of Kansas where Spencer went to, uh, that's your alma mater, right? Yep. Uh, they in 19 or 1888 i think 18 something like that they uh adopted that as their like school fight song rock chalk jayhawk you've never heard that before no, oh, yeah. To- oh, wow. oh yeah that's a that's a thing oh yeah yeah and it's yeah there's a lime it's known for a limestone in that area they call it the chalk rock so rock chalk jayhawk yeah. You know. My nephew went to, he graduated from uh, KU and he's at uh, Creighton Law School now. But Oh, uh, nice. He, yeah. He, he uh, dropped some knowledge on me a couple of weekends ago and I noticed he went to KU. So I thought that'd be a good question to start with.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, KU is why I'm here because I met a girl at KU and um, she's an Omaha girl. And oh, then, is she? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's how, like, I um, graduated, like, well, I'm a year older than her. So I did a four and a half a little half lap, and then she, you know, graduated on time, and so, yeah, we had that six months difference, and I got a job in KC, where I'm from, and then she got a job in Omaha, and uh, basically, I quit my job in KC and moved to Omaha, and then- <laughs> She wore you down, huh? No, I was just like, yeah she's way, she's just gonna crush the career path way faster than I'm going to, and, you know, she, she had been away from home for four years, so- I was like, all right. I, I've always, I always wanted to go and you know live in a different place. Mm-hmm. I never thought it'd be Omaha, Nebraska, but um, turned out to be a very good thing. What was Courtney doing? She, we we're actually the same major. We we're both journalism and uh, strategic communications, which is just like it's basically advertising marketing. It's like business school without the math part. And um, she was really good. She was very, very, very good student, and um, and so she got like a, a really good internship at Bailey Lowerman that, uh, we basically just talked about it. Like, you know, she had a, she could go, like, she got this interesting finance job where she'd make a lot more money, but then this internship where she would basically, it was like, it was like a six month like trial. And I was like, you're going to totally, yeah, you're going to get it, you know, cause she, that's what she does. So she did it, she got it. And she ended up working at Bailey Lowerman, which is like a big ad agency downtown Omaha, um, for almost like five years. And mm-hmm. then from there she, She's continued to go that way. That's so she's, so she's part. Of, she's ad. part of the reason why I've been able to figure my shit out. Yeah. So she's uh, she's still in the ad agency world, then. But now she's on the she's on the business side. So um, when she was at Bailey, the CMO of Bailey Lowerman became the CMO of Baxter Auto Group, which is a giant giant it's a giant uh, auto group here in town. And then she poached Courtney, and. Um, became like one of her right hands and then the cmo left baxter and then courtney took her kind of just like rolled up into her spot she's not called cmo but she basically is doing all those things and um so that's what she's doing now before these twins go journalism degree
2: Twins. yeah Wait, did you say twins twins oh my goodness yeah, how soon Oh, I guess
1: we're
0: not talking four, about four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah, journalism. When he dropped twins, man. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: Can you imagine having twins right now?
0: God, no. <laughs> no thanks. I mean, I I'm
3: sure
1: you. it's great.
0: I, I, Good for I, you, I'm sure it is great, me. too. I'll let you know.
2: <laughs> I mean, if, if
1: it was like in the beginning and I could just have twins and knock it out? <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, like, at your age, obviously, that would be awful. But Really, would it? I mean, because <laughs> you, you're so low energy. Are you energy. 42? I'm 43. 43. Yeah. You're, you're old. You're yeah. an old forty three. I'm a young forty eight. <laughs> you tell yourself that mm-hmm. I am. You know, this- Special, how old are you? I'm thirty two. Thirty two. Yep, thirty two. He's an old thirty two. hmm. A yep. lot of city miles. I feel. I
0: feel. <laughs> I still feel very young, even uh, with a two year old. I still feel very young. So, but yeah, journalism. Yeah. Uh, yeah what were you going to do with that? Were you just well, like, I, I, I don't
2: know? I'll pick journalism, and then you're
0: no journalism is very very intentional. So like I uh I I was always just very I could always just yeah do C plus B minus work. It was always Good B student, like, um, but I, you know, I didn't like school very much. But the one thing I really, really liked was my broadcast class in high school. So I was very, very, very into broadcasting, which is probably one of the reasons why I got into podcasting so early, like in terms of me consuming it. Like, I've gotcha. been consuming podcasts for a long time, like over ten years, and well, we were um, just
2: talking about what an avid Rhea Radio fan you are, and you <laughs> listened to all ninety-one of our previous episodes, so we appreciate that.
0: Uh, and so, <laughs> no I comment. Yeah. No, I, you'll you'll get on the list. I I basically I I I kind of go through phases of different podcasts I listen to because I totally. I mean that's truly how I learn. I yeah. I learn from the podcast I decide to listen to. So I listen to the All In podcast like religiously. So it comes out every Friday, um, and then this podcast called founders by david senra um that's my like that's the most important one to me right those two are the ones that like very important to me like are, i'm getting a lot of mm-hmm. just value out of um but
2: well, i'll put in, you on this well, like i i've i have i listen to that mm-hmm. occasionally and I, and the guys are very smart very smart but they will tell you how very smart they are and that's kind of you know what i mean? get
0: it i get it i just i don't listen to the news i'm not like i don't like it's just I'm not like I don't well I don't have cable but like I don't listen to news I'm not really on like Twitter and all that stuff very much (laughs) I my philosophy is like there's enough people watching news and doing like I know what's going on you know I know like uh, the you know we haven't uh, like we're gonna default on our debt and you know the world's falling apart like I I get it. So you can pretty much apply
2: the like world's falling apart to yeah. any given week. <laughs> yeah. So
0: um, but these so these guys are kind of my news. So it's basically like it's because they talk a lot about the current events and the economy. And like, yeah, I, I do agree. So like, they're kind of Chamath. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a little. Yeah. He, he he thinks he's the man. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a billionaire, you can do it. Well, these are
2: the venture capital guys. They're not real
0: estate up. guys. They're not real estate guys. But um, I've. I've always just been fascinated with the venture tech world, mm-hmm. but I, um, kind of knew my, I don't know, my energy, my soul. Like I knew like real estate was where I needed to be. Did you know that in college? No, no, no. I, so journalism, I, I want to be a broadcast guy. I mm-hmm. wanted to go I like mean,
2: the headphones do look good on you. Like, the
0: yeah. <laughs> I, that was, I mean, that was very, fun. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a broadcast guy, whether that's like sports center or documentaries or something just in that world. And then my first year at KU, sorry, KU, but your broadcast program, it was just, it was a shit. This wasn't a very good program. It was very newspaper heavy. because kind of antiquated. not, they they just weren't ready for the future. And then, um, in the journalism school, you could, you could bounce pretty quick to this. So it had two sides. You had the news and info side and then the, um, like marketing and advertising side. So after my freshman year, I was like, I I don't want to be a newspaper guy. I I wasn't into it. And at that point. I got caught into the parting and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to You were a lot. I was, I was like I'm point. just this is just silly. I'm just going to go to this side. It's more going to like I don't know. It's probably just easier. And so, I just did that. And yeah, and that, that's basically it. But I I always enjoyed it and the biggest takeaway, I didn't really learn anything at all. But um was that I learned that I you know, looking back, that I like projects over like tedious homework and all those things because journalism school is all about projects. Mm. So it's like, yeah, you know, you're going to do like, like our capstone project. My senior year was like one big, big project.
2: Like, and, did you have to do a put together research? Yeah. On, you do research research
0: and all that stuff. And, um, yeah. So it's like, and then when I go, now you look at commercial real estate, and like even brokerage and development, both like you're just doing projects. Like, Hey, I've got this assignment. I got to go sell this building or sell this land. This is a project. And basically your goal is to always have like, you know, four or five projects at a time. So you're always working on something. And then on development, same thing. Like you're trying to go like one, I'm just, you know, I've got my one we've got two in the pipeline. But when I go and talk to these developers, it's like, Oh, like you get really, really bored with one pot project because everything takes so long. So it's like you, it's like, you want to have like your, you want to have a couple of projects in the pipeline. And when it's kind of, just, I've, I think about this all the time. Like, oh wow. Like it's cool. Like that makes sense. That's probably why I liked that stuff. Cause even in high school, it's like, you're just doing projects. Like every story, every story is a, a new story. is a new project. And um, I'm just, I like, I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. I like being creative and doing new things and learning about, new thing that I feel like commercial real estate allows you to. I don't know if there's many industries that allow you to learn more about just the economy in general than commercial real estate because you're ingrained in everything.
2: What was your first exposure to real estate in general? I know you mentioned you always felt drawn to it, but uh, you got your journalism degree kind of de facto business, well, business degree, yeah. ended up in Omaha to f- chasing a girl. Yep. And then, uh, what, what was your first job when you moved here?
0: Well, and no, honestly, the the real estate thing didn't, it wasn't like an, it wasn't like, Oh, I didn't know that until I just, I didn't know that for a little bit. So got out of KU, did the job in KC for, I was the staffing, like a staffing firm guy. Um, not the medical, but like, like admin people. Mm hmm. Did that for six months, quit, moved to Omaha without a job, and then I got I got into a sales job at thesis which is they bought thesis is a credit card processing company. They bought First National's credit card processing division during the recession, um, and so then I was just a salesperson, inside sales, like just cold calls, just fifty plus calls a day was like what you're told you're supposed to do, Fine. and um, yeah, no, the guy who helped me find the job, he's like, hey man, like you're not gonna do this thing forever, but um, you know, you'll make a little bit of money. You're young. Like you'll make a little bit of money. You'll learn about sales and you'll be able to figure out you'll, you'll, it'll be a stepping stone for you. I was like, all right, great. That's, that's fine. I need to get a job because like I get out my in-laws or my girlfriend's parents' house. And, um, (laughs) so, but it was what the best part was about that job is that I got to, it was downtown. So my wife, you know, girlfriend, no wife, but she worked downtown. Now I work downtown. We moved downtown into the old market lofts. And which is on like 11th and Leavenworth. And um it taught me about the city. And that was the most important thing. And we got, um I kind of like live by this philosophy of like controlled chaos. Like I just like, you know, I, I always am just trying to put more in my place. So we just got a dog, you know, we moved downtown, Boom, we just buy a dog, and So we bought a dog and then we adopt her and we just, so I just started walking the city a lot. And I ended up quitting this thesis job. So I, I, I when I, I walked a lot. So I I learned the city, the downtown pretty well. And anywho, so I was at this job for a year and a half and it got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. I always knew I wanted to be like, quote unquote, like an entrepreneur or like just be my own person. I knew I I I had really, really big goals. There's only like two things in life that I really knew. Like from when I was really young, I always knew I wanted to be a dad. Like I wanted to be like a family person um, because I loved having a big family. And then I always knew I wanted to be rich. Those like, and, I, and I always knew, like, I'm going to be those two things. I never really knew how. But I was like, those were the two most, like, those two things, like, always, like, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to, you know, have a family. So, um, and I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know it's going to happen. And when I graduated, when I got out of school, the biggest, like, slap in the face was, like, wow. Like, I, could, I like, drastically need to change who I am. If I'm t- if I'm going to actually do the things I say I'm going to do, because what, like I mean what, that's just, I was just a you what, know just a party kid. Okay, so you that's you, you kind kid. of did
2: a self assessment and you're like uh, the person I want to be does not reconcile with my actions. Yeah, Is that no,
0: kind of the, it's the, the time
2: the, time to grow up.
0: Yeah, yeah, thousand percent. I was like, it's like wow, I, I um I uh yeah no I truly like school was more about friends and partying and having fun. And you go out of school and there's a lot of people who say like, Oh, I'm going to do these things. But, but very, I, what I'm realizing is like very few people are willing to change their actions, change who they are. And that's when podcasts like really, that's, that was the big thing. Cause I, I bigger pockets is one of the first things I don't, I, truly, I don't really listen to bigger pockets anymore. It's been like years and years since I've listened to it, but it was very instrumental. Um, when I, it, like when i was in 25 26 27 like those years because it just it's just like your mindset and it is so much of it was just mindset and like how you have to approach life and like you know it's like and i i just take i take my goals very very seriously like i take my life very seriously I, i'm a i like to have fun and goof around and all that stuff but i just take i just take to take life very seriously the things i want to do because i don't want to become a 90 year old and look back and regret my life that's terrifying that's like my greatest fear is like regretting my life so um when
1: there's nothing to say at your eulogy then you got an issue right yeah no it's
0: yeah it's i mean it, it freaks me out yeah to be, to be honest like and that's what that's like a definitely drives some decisions so i'm at this job cold calling all the time Say, all right i gotta get out i gotta figure my shit out and i'm just like kind of bitching complaining to my girlfriend i'm like ah like what the hell am i doing? like i don't know and she's like dude like she, she called me out, Courtney. She called me out and said, Hey, like do whatever you want to do. Like I had never gone and backpacked. Like I never did the travel thing in, um, in school, like that abroad stuff. And I always it regretted that, you know, I was like, all right. You know, she called me out like, you know, that afternoon I stayed up till like three in the morning and just planned. I was just like, okay, like I'm going to go, I'm doing this backpack trip. Like, I planned my trip, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to go to South America. I'm doing this. And I called my best friend the next day because half of my, half of my job at t like I would literally just like go on walks. I go on long, long walks and I would call my best friend and we would just talk about like our plans and the things that we're going to do. And I called him the next day. like, Hey man, like I'm going to quit my job six months from now and I'm going to South America. And, um, that's what I'm like, that's what's happening. And he called me back the next day. like, dude, I'm doing it too. And so we literally, like literally a week later, we bought our one-way ticket six months in advance. And then we kind of just like planned our whole trip from there. So boom, did South America. No (laughs) way. That's cool. It it was, it it was amazing. It was awesome. So where did you go exactly? We went, we flew into Peru, did a a good amount of like Southern Peru, but like Machu Picchu. That was like the big Mm -hmm. highlight. So Machu Picchu, then we, you know, took a bus into Northern Chile, did the Atacama Desert, which was awesome. And at KU... There was this guy and I'm not going to like go too much into how I know this guy, but there's this dude that I knew from my brother at KU and he, uh, was from Ecuador and then he got his first job in Santiago, Chile. So when I was planning the trip, I, you know, Facebooked him. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be going through South America. Like our plan is to go down to Patagonia. So like, we'll probably, you know, we'll come by Santa. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, we're going to hang out. So he ends up meeting us in the desert. Of northern chile and then we all fly back to santiago together and we end up living with this dude for 10 days in santiago <laughs> um which is amazing it was all it's just it was uh, so fun and then we went to valparaiso and then, anyways just did a lot of chile chile is a really cool place um and then we just, uh, me and my buddy we uh went to we split up for one week because i was reading this travel book and i was like basically saying like hey it's very important to like be by yourself for a little bit, no matter what. So we split up for a week. He went into wine country in Argentina and I went to the northern like districts of Chile, like just basically northern Patagonia. And then basically four days into it, I was like, we're like Facebook each other. He's like I miss you. I was like, I miss you too. Like, let's, we should probably just get back together. This is, this is kind of boring being alone, but you know, you learn a little bit about yourself. So we meet up in Bariloche, which is a ski town. And then just, just Patagonia W Trail. W Trail is like the the most incredible thing I've ever done. What, what is the W Trail? It's uh, Torres del Paine in Patagonia. Torres del Pine, It's a called. It's a famous. Uh, it's a famous hike. Okay. In Torres del Pine in Patagonia, that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like I'm not. I want. Yeah, I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world, but like that was the most just like kind of like spiritual thing I've ever done. Was just like doing that for five days just hiking you know you got the backpack on you with the tent and all that stuff and you're doing the five-day hike and that was for sure the yeah the craziest part so then the girlfriend who allowed me to do this and um she and at this point you know i'm i've got like two thousand dollars left in my name and she (laughs) uh i flew her out to buenos aires Cause I was like the whole plan was for her to meet me at the very end. So she came the last two weeks and like she bought her ticket in advance. So like I knew like, okay, I gotta be in Buenos Aires by this time. And so we go meet her in Buenos Aires, pick her up from the airport. And then we got engaged and all that fun stuff. And yeah, it was was an incredible 95 days. You proposed while you're out there. Yes. 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 Where were you at? That's a power move. It was good. It was good. Um, it was in Buenos Aires, okay. like on like a pedestrian bridge in Buenos Aires. Nice. Um, I'll tell you guys offline, like the actual story, but um, like <laughs> I'm it, it, was, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was very, very, very great. And honestly though, but, but, so that's just a fun story. But before, so I, so I did the trip, but before I left for the trip, cause you know, it was six months, I bought the ticket six months in advance. So before that I was like, okay, like I am going to figure out my career. And this part is like, this is really more for young people or I don't know. I don't know this was, this is like truly when I look back, like, this is what changed like everything for me. I took a piece of paper. I was like, okay, I know, like, I want to go and like create my own path. So I took a piece of paper. And I, I put it in three columns, just, you know, boom, three columns. It was like industry skills and long-term goals, not short-term goals, but long-term goals. So I wrote down all the industries that like intrigued me that I thought I could have success in. I wrote down my skills, which that's parts hard. So like, I can't, and I, you know, couldn't really tell you all, I can't remember why I put it, but you put your skills and then my long-term goals and my long-term goals were, um, you know, I, I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to be creative every day. I wanted to, I wanted to me like being wealthy um, you know, can correlate with freedom and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, I wanted to be able to do whatever, basically whatever I want to do at some point, you know, like to, like, because my family, I, I, I really don't want to get like divorced. You know, I really just want to like have a strong family. But that was basically it. creative every day, make a lot of money um, and have the freedom to do the things that I want to do. And um, you know, there were a few industries, but commercial real estate was on there and if you have to like look back and you know, to my childhood, one of my buddies, his dad was a developer in Kansas city. Like he owned like five, six buildings downtown and uh, you know, he was my rich friend and like he's my richest friend. And I was like, wow, like I just kind of saw the things to do. And I, and I was like, wow, like, I think I learned a little bit about like what he did. Yeah. I was like, I could totally do that. I, mean, I could do what that guy did. And so, so boom, I knew what I wanted to do when I left for my trip, came back from the trip, I googled, truly, like a week later, googled commercial real estate Omaha, Nebraska, and just like went down the list and started cold calling these companies. And I didn't know anything. My, my, You're my like, I could write really good listing. Uh, I can, I can write an email, and I, I'm a, and I'm or really good on the phone. background, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can write an e. I can yeah. write a stellar email, and I can. Um, I was really, I was really good on the phone. That was basically it, because that's what that first job taught me is like how to talk on the phone.
1: A big deal too, and
0: um, yeah, that's definitely that was definitely the most value out of that, and um, so, uh, you know, I I truly called like probably twenty companies, and I, you know, there was probably in the mix that was developers and different things like that, and I finally got a hold of this company called uh, DP Management, it was like Dial Property Management, part of the Dial Companies, which mm-hmm. is like an OG developer investor group here in Omaha, and they had an entry level property management gig um, available. And they like, called me back Like, Hey, like you're probably overqualified. Like you're not going to make a lot of money. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, let me come in and like, please let me come in. Like I need to do this. And, and during that process, I actually had, there were, I, I interviewed at uh, sojourn and builder trend, which were kind of like the cool young kid sales jobs. And I was like, you know what? Part of me is, like, Oh, I'm going to go get these jobs. I'll go work at these tech companies, make money and then I'll invest in real estate. And the universe basically is like yeah no I can't do it because basically I get to the I got to the final round of both those interviews with like my bosses my future bosses and they're like um you know what are your goals what are your long term goals and I I was just I'm just very honest and I was like oh like I'm gonna I want to start businesses and like do all these things I'm very ambitious I want to do these things and they're like oh well, well we're not gonna we're not <laughs> well, gonna you're out yeah yeah and they're like well we're not gonna hire you. You know, and so, so yeah, I never got those jobs. And so by that time, when I go to the, this, you know, now I'm like trying to convince dial to hire me as their property manager, um, you know, they, they, you know, they're, Hey, what are your goals? And you know what? I, I just kind of kept it very simple. You know, and this guy's like, Oh, you guy who was like, you could take my job someday and like, you know, run the property management. I was like, you know what? That sounds awesome. Great. And so boom, got the job, did that for 10 months. And got my license, and we got married and then, after my wedding, this is two thousand seventeen so october two thousand and seventeen got married came back from the wedding quit i quit the property management job and um you probably learned so much while you're there right i did i learned i mean it's important to like you know this is how you run a property, I and mean, this is how you own property and run it and um the biggest takeaway was understanding triple nets and cams and all that stuff that that was pro- honestly that's probably the biggest thing is understanding cams and all those things uh, cams being for common area guys. yeah so uh triple net triple net so you got you know it's three three nets so you got your taxes your insurance and your common area maintenance and common area maintenance for commercial properties like snow removal landscaping parking lot repair um like um uh, exterior lights um I'm probably missing some other things but it's basically you as the landlord you uh push those costs back to the tenants on a pro of their, of the tenant square foot. So like I managed Lakeside Plaza. That was my job. I managed Lakeside Plaza over on 175th and center. So bakers, you know, they had the biggest footprint. So they took, you know, they had the biggest triple net payments.
2: So you're talking about a, a supermarket uh, in bakers for those that are mm-hmm. not familiar with the Omaha uh, supermarkets, you managed that. And uh, you learned kind of the ins and outs of, Triple net leases, commercial leasing, um, kind of the the costs and income associated with it. Right. Yeah, a lot so you yeah. Got, you got a good council like,
0: receivables and tenants and honestly, I learned that tenants are it, it, you learn that like you really gotta be careful about who you're giving your property to. So because uh, I saw I mean even being there for ten months, I saw people like truly like fail in like six months, you know? Like you you they signed a lease. And then they didn't. They stopped paying rent within like three months. And these are like people who are like starting these small businesses. So, uh, but no, I learned. I I learned a, a lot, and I learned the biggest thing I learned. Is like I don't want to do this. So <laughs> I um, got my license, and I didn't even know what a broker was. But there were some in-house brokers at Dial. Who one of them was like, "Hey man, I think you'd be pretty good at this if you're ever interested." And. So there, and I learned about what it was. Okay, like it, it 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 vibes more with like my sale, like me just being kind of more extroverted in sales, and um and the biggest thing was like I want to become a developer and an investor and start businesses. So, brokerage, your one, it teaches you to be, it teaches you how to support yourself because you're 100 percent commission 10.99. So um, that. And then I get to choose who I network with. I can network with business owners and developers and investors, and like they can, I can do business with them. But then I also like I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I've seen you know you do some research and you look at some people like you can make a lot of money too. So I was like, okay, boom, this this is probably more of the path I should go down to get to where I need to go. So. Boom! Quit. I told the dial guys, like, "Hey, I'll stay here, but I can also leave. I don't really care. It's up to you." Like, "No, no, no. You should stay." But we need. Well, but we gotta be honest. Like, there's really nothing for you to work on. Like, we don't have. Like, you're gonna have to do this by yourself. And me being a cocky guy, I was like, "Oh, that's fine. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this by myself." So two years later, and like you know, five thousand dollars later, my bank account say, "Okay, this sucks. This is very, very hard." Um, Truly, I mean, year one, I made zero dollars. Commercial yeah. leasing is that, uh, just any broker yeah, leasing or sales. Um, uh, my first deal, I, like, so I did a couple of small leases. Um, and then just such as life, like you build relationships, you can go find something. Like I did a pretty decent job of getting, uh, listings like little shitty, like a thousand square feet there, you know, there, there, there. I had my, my signs, like I had signs going around, but I was making no money. Like I was making zero dollars because you, you does like that's half the battle, like getting the listing, but then the other half battles getting you know closing a deal. And um, but going to the mindset stuff because this is really when I got into the podcasting and all that stuff. in the mindset was like, I at the end of the day, everybody told me like, hey, these first your first year years, like you are gonna just it's gonna be a struggle, like you are not gonna make any money. So people have told me this already, and I was just like, you know, like ah, oh, no, like I I am different. I am gonna I will, and then. But the one thing I knew I could control is my network, and no nobody knew who I was here. Yeah, my father in law like wasn't like super well connected or anything. So like I, I knew literally no one, so I was like, okay, all I can control right now is is who I know. So I'm gonna go network my face off for the next year. That was so I I called. I mean I literally like called. I started with all the young brokers because it's just easy. Like that, you're more your your you know people, and so I mean I. I got beers, lunches, coffees, like everything. Cause Courtney was working a lot. I was working a lot. So like basically me and her would just like meet up, like Bailey Ironman, they would get done. They would go grab a drink at, um, across their office building in the, on Harney street. And they, would I'd basically meet them at Harney street tavern. Like, you know, basically Wednesday through, you know, Friday. And like, cause I would, I would just network all the time. And I would network with developers, anybody who would basically hang out with me, I would go and meet with them. I walked into buildings, you know, did all, did all this stuff. Um, but it was really, it was really with like, I just need people to know who I am. I just need people to like, I didn't need to introduce myself and like, just like start building a name for myself. What year <sighs> this around? This was this run? This is 2018. Okay. It's 2018. And uh, so 2018, 19, that's all I did. I networked really hard. I did get a couple of deals. Like I sold a building on 13th or on um like 7th street, like in little Italy. I sold a storage facility to Jeff McGregor. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff's a man. And, uh, that, that was the only thing I really, that was like the one time I, Oh, boom. I made like, you know, eight grand or something. I was like, Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, uh, so did that. And then it got to a point of okay, like took a look in the mirror. It's been two years making no money. And i like, okay, I really just want to, I really just want to like go and invest and like do stuff. But like you know, if I go to you guys, and, hey, give me a million dollars and we'll go buy something. I don't trust myself still. Like, I still literally don't trust myself to be responsible with these people's mm-hmm. money, uh, or my friends' money, or my family's money, or whatever. I I just I'm I have done such little transactions that nothing's happening. But I still deal with that. It's no, it's, I mean that's I mean that's kind of still you still like raising money is still very scary. Imposter syndrome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. God, it is so freaking hard to kick. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, for everyone. I don't know what the deal is with it, but yeah, it's you have it, lingering it, self-limiting
0: fear, beliefs. Fear is your, if, um, like, Sarah Blakely, uh, who, do you guys know Jesse Itzler? Do you know who that is? Yeah. yeah. I, I know the name. Yeah, so that's Sarah Blakely, Jesse Itzler, them couple, but but Sarah Blakely, Spanx. yeah, she oh, okay, she has yeah. that thing, like, she says on linked LinkedIn all the time, so, but, like, more, more, um, dreams or goals are killed from fear than failure every year you know like basically people stop themselves because of this voice in their head but anywho um but still i mean when i was just like taking a real realistic look at mirror, like dude you haven't done anything like you can't be asking people for a million dollars so i was like, all right i gotta keep being a broker how am i gonna keep I, I, if i'm gonna be a broker i gotta get out of this environment so hang on I, yeah i want to
2: ask you this what what do you think was not working or why why were you struggling to basically have transactional income or leasing income coming in what was the what was the problem
0: was it um i mean one was it you was it both well one i'm just one of those people like i just if there's ever a problem in my life it's on me you know so but like there's multiple people who told me like dude you got to get out of there like you can't beat in the like, cause I was working at a develop like an old school development company. So they go and build stuff. They, I was this man. Like basically, they they owned a decent amount of property around town. But they weren't a brokerage. It wasn't a brokerage house.
2: Okay, so they had like the cumulative effect was impressive of what they had done, but the transactional volume. They weren't. A, was it wasn't really a. It low. wasn't a
0: brokerage house. It yeah. wasn't a brokerage house. Yeah, okay. it was. They're a developer. So they had they had two in house develop. They had two in house brokers, and they worked on a bunch of stuff in like Kearney and Norfolk. Like, they built a bunch of malls and stuff back in the day. I mean, what I my biggest learning experience from from the Dial guys was like, it was it was a, a bunch of developers. They're a bunch of cowboys. And I caught, and I was basically hanging out with the cowboys when they're all super old. <laughs> like some of them were, I mean the some of them were dying and all that stuff. So it's like, but like they would go, they, they did all that stuff. But like the most successful guys were the developers who were doing the senior living. And I had nothing to do with that, but like I would go and like sit down and have a glass of wine with one of the senior living developer guys and like just talk to him and like listen to him. And you know, like, and then I heard stories about like the old days and all those things. So it's like just kind of like okay, like, I know it's possible. Like I know it can be done, but like the 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 energy wasn't there, the growth wasn't there. Like I tried to like convince them, hey, like we need to rebrand and do all these things with the company, and like I, I was like, hey, let's let's like change some shit up. And but you know, at the end of the day, I was you know twenty six seven whatever I was, and I was like, like no. So I it was just at the end of the day, it's like you so the founders podcast, I was telling you guys, the reason it's so important because it's, it, this guy just reads biographies and memoirs, autobiographies of these like ultra successful business figures of history. And when you listen to enough of those, it's like, you've got to like be able, like when something's not working, you can't just keep banging your head against the wall. Like you got to like, you've got to like realize when you have to pivot a little bit. And that was just a moment. I was like, okay, like I've got to pivot. And I, I either am gonna go raise that money and go buy something or I'm gonna keep being a broker. And I was like, you know what? I still need to give this. I I I just, you know, my gut is like, I need to keep being a broker. I need to go do a ton of transactions. And so I go out and I look, I just I go to the internet, like who are the and I done a ton of networking, so I already know who all the I already know who all the best brokers are. I was like, investors Realty is where I wanted to be. Like the they had the best brand. And investor realty is the biggest like local shop? Then you know you got CBRE and Lund and uh, um, CBRE Cushman, um Colliers, like all those guys who are like the national. They all have the national brand, but Investors is the biggest one that has no national brand. So I was like, okay, I gotta get Investors. I go to their website and I see their business model. I see how like they set their, they because they're a real brokerage house. And I was like, okay. They have the retail team, the office team, the industrial team, the investment team. I'm doing quotes like the investment team. And in the investment team, it was just a couple of lone wolves. It was like, like really the investment team was just like these individuals, but the retail team was a legit team. It was like, you know, guys who have been doing this for 15 years. And then like a young person, same with the office and same with the industrial. I was like, okay, this investment team is just a bunch of wolves, lone wolves. And I was like, I, I can get my, and I, and I like, like I told you, like, I like doing big stuff. Which, aka, I don't like doing the leasing. I like doing, like, I'll, I'll like, I'll do, like, four sales a year if that means, like, if I can you know, if I had to make a hundred grand in four, over four transactions over doing, like, you know, 30 leases, I'll pick the four, you know? Like, I'll take that risk, because that's what I'd rather do. Um, So, there's this dude named John Heine. He's 10 years older than me. I'd heard really good things about him significant
1: name in the market. Very yeah,
0: and if you're a Omaha person like yeah. and in multifamily, especially in this world, like you know in the world that you guys play like that's that's a name. So um heard a lot of good things about him and so we had met each other like one time. So I call him up, "Hey man, we should go grab a coffee. We go grab a coffee." And I just said, "Hey man, here's the deal. I'm done at dial. Like I need to go to my next I I need to make my next move. And I'm looking at investors how you guys are work. And it looks like you guys do young guy with old guy or old guy with young guy. And like, and not that he's old because he's four Yeah. He was 10 years old than me. But he's like, is he, is he yeah. Owen's age? Uh, no, he's your age. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I think, I'm pretty sure he's exactly- I think yeah, you guys are the same suck age. It, Ted. I think you guys are the same age. But like, um but I was like, Hey, like I'll be like, I'll be your young guy. I'll help you grow. You help me grow. Planted. And I was like, Hey dude, no, like, nope. Like don't need a yes or no right now. I'm just telling you. I'm into that idea if you're into that idea. And that took like eight months to come to fruition. So we would like get together once a quarter and yada, yada. And it just got to a point where like, now it's like literally Christmas time of 2019. I'm like, dude, like I need a yes or a no. And if it's a no, no hard feelings, truly don't like, it's fine. But I'm going to go to my next plan B. And I had I had a plan B's because at this point I started getting offers from, I started getting offers from other shops and other things because i created a like i had created a brand for myself because i had all these listings around town and i was like just doing all these things nobody knew i was making no money but like i i was creating i was creating some momentum around my name
3: mm-hmm.
0: but i just needed a yes or no and then i and this was the big moment where i was like hey like but before you say yes or no i just need to tell you like i because i don't want to blindside you one day i was like hey like, i am going like i have a development itch like this bug in me and I'm going to do it. Like it's not if like I'm going to be a developer, I'm going to like go and invest and I want to start businesses. Like these are the things that like I will not, like because I I I will, I'm going to try it because if I don't, I will regret, you know, I'll have that regret. And, you know, I said a lot. I said a lot. And, you know, he kind of looks at me like, hey, you know, sure. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, he's like this young dude. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, bug. okay, okay, young buck. Yeah. But he's like, whatever. He's like, He's like, are you going to be in Omaha forever? I was like, yeah, I'm going to be in Omaha forever because, um, you know, my wife's from here. She's got her family. Like, I like – I really like Omaha. It's only been nothing but supportive of me. And You're I like starting Omaha. to set your roots here. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. building a foundation. Like, I like Omaha. So Omaha's home base until, you know, we go by the beach homes and all the things that we're going to – He's like, all right, if you're going to be in Omaha forever, let's do it. So then we had to go convince the principals at Investor's, and that took another couple months. I ended up getting to Investor's literally uh like uh three weeks before covid hit the world like before like this world it was amazing timing so <laughs> it was amazing timing so boom get to investors COVID hits everything pauses for three months which i don't care because i'm already used to not making any money so <laughs> and then but then after that three months like the basically we kind of get into summer of 2020 you know we all know we all know what happened money starts getting printed people just everything goes crazy and like for those who don't know who john Heine is john Heine um, is one of the top multifamily investment brokers in the city. And
1: is he an investor also? Does he, yeah, he's got
0: like, he's got partners and they own probably 10 buildings now. Oh, okay, Um, but like he had built. And at this point, it, I mean, it's just like, the, it was just all really beautiful timing. Like at this point, like the other multifamily, like top multifamily guys were kind of like getting old and re- more in that retirement phase. So it was just, like, John was kind of becoming the guy. And the other big multifamily guy is like, just moved to California. So it's kind of like, this is like ours to take and yeah. So basically from like summer of 2021, um, up to basically Q4 of 2022 freaking rocket ship. It was awesome. So before what I forgot to mention was that like, when I was, when I told John, like, Hey, like these are the things that I'm going to do. So I don't want, I don't want you to like bring me on and I want to blindside you because like, as soon as I start making money, I'm going to start, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go buy stuff. And, um, and like you said, John owns buildings. Like he, he believes in, he believes in investing and, um, doing his own stuff. Like he's developed a building too, but he told me, he's like, Hey, you know what? Like I have always had a dream to start my own brokerage firm, but I've always, he's just kind of timid. He's always been by himself, you know? And so, you know, and I was like, all right, well, I just knew that in the back of my head. So we're doing, so COVID hits and we're going down the road and, and basically for 2021 for that first year hanging out with him, like, man, like I, I just, I just go to him. I like, do like you, you have such a good foundation that you've built. Like you have such a good book of business. That's like not connected. It's like, it's not coming from the big house. It's not coming from the company. It's coming from him as a like, dude. You could do this, like this dream of yours to start a company. You could do it. And I was like, Hey, like, and I told him, like, I'm going to start companies, plural. So like, mm-hmm. this is like gonna, like, I'm, this is good. We should do this. So he's like, "All right, let's do it." And then we end up hiring a co- kid out of college to kind of be our personal little employee while we're at investors. Like we pay him a thousand bucks a week, and we, um you know, we start we start oak like a year later, or uh, in October of twenty twenty one. Oh, sorry, this is twenty COVID twenty twenty, obviously. So yeah, you know, so oak
2: investments group. What's the name with the full name of the business? Oak investment, real estate.
0: We we, we wanted it to be Oak commercial real estate, but there was already Oak commercial real estate out there. Ah. So we changed to investment. Okay. So
2: so you kind of like forced the issue with somebody that had been in the business a long time, worked really hard on his reputation, had some success under him. You, he kind of slow rolled you into working with him uh, in the business. And you said, Hey, I got you. I'm going to be successful no matter what. Why don't we do this together? Let's do the whole Thelma and Louise thing and like make the jump. What What did that look like when you guys uh, first hung your shingle? Was it just you two? Did you have any staff? Was there any other people that made the jump as well? Did you, it did was, you get sued?
0: No, 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 no. Okay. Investors are very the investor. Realty guys are like very, very, very good people. So, um, and there's in brokerage. No non-competes. That's not a thing. So, um. No, we just hired that. So when we were when we decided, hey, we should start, we should start a brokerage firm, you know, kind of based around John's book of business. Um, at that time, this college kid had reached out to John, who wanted to get into multifamily and all that stuff, investments, and he came and met with John, and I was just kind of sitting there, and we we're like, yeah, this kid's kind of like a, like we like this kid. He's kind, of, he kind of seems like a rock star. Like we should, in the basement, hey, we should offer him a job. So. His name is Colton, so me, Colton, and John started Oak. Gotcha, Col- and the- Colton Adams. Colton Adams, okay, yeah. So, me, that was it. So, we started Oak with and then with the guidance of Coach Todd, Todd Zimbelman, who's like our co who is like John and I were uh, working with when we were at investors. And yeah, that's he, that's so, how and he, Todd is a business coach, he's a business coach,
2: so he's industry agnostic and he can help out basically with getting uh successful business set up and running
0: mm-hmm. well and he uniquely you know he worked at a big uh multifamily oh okay. uh, so, yeah. developer company so he he had a nice like perspective but mm-hmm. honestly he's like he's more he is truly more mindset like he makes you dive deep into oneself and really like like it's, it's not so much x's and o's it's more like hey like making sure our core values and our visions and all those things are like aligned to where we're going to go and like big picture stuff. I mean, that's how he's always helped me. So kind personally. of get
2: clearing out the mental space, helping you get out of your own way. Yeah. And yeah, uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's that, cool. that's coach Todd. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Do you use a coach uh,
2: for liquid lending? We do. Yeah. I don't have one for like over my portfolio of companies though. So I probably should. Uh, I, I I will say this about coaches I think it's hard. This is me and check me on this, yeah, yeah. but entrepreneurs, um, I think want accountability, but they also don't want accountability in that you want freedom. And that's why I think most people are like, Oh, I just want to get out of the corporate rat race and do my own thing. Yeah. And then the downside to the whole, you know, process of doing that is the fact that you don't have a boss anymore. Like, they as uh, much as bosses yeah. suck at at times, they keep you on the guardrails, well, right? Those, those coaches hold you accountable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so, accountability. So you you do want it, and you don't. Like I don't. Well, I want. I need accountability, but I don't want it.
0: Well, so <laughs> that makes sense. When you were, when you asked earlier, like, hey, why were you not making any money at the first? You're like, uh-huh. Because like I was a freaking young dude who had zero accountability. I was like. Like I always was working kind of like I was working hard, but like my, I was like sporadic in what I was doing. There's no consistency in my actions. So it's like, I was just all over the place, you know?
2: Yeah. So and that,
0: that was one of the things like, I need a mentor. I was like, that was what it was. I need a mentor because mm-hmm. I am struggling trying to figure this out by myself. And it was, that's where, that's where it hit. Was like, shit, I can't do this by myself I'm not good enough yet. I need mentor. I need guidance. And I mean, that was the biggest reason why I was failing.
1: I remember with my first business, uh, my Omaha nightlife company, uh, my business partner brought on a coach for me, and I really kind of he really pushed me to make decisions that were uncomfortable, and that was more or less who needed to stay, who needed to go, and I haven't had a a business coach until the last few months, and and then he's more uh, like, you know, is this really the best use of your time? So it's not like push me to fire hire. It's like, you know, is this are, is this the uh, you know is this real estate going to pay as much as doing this thing? And you know, where's the future of this versus this?
0: How how many businesses do you have? Because like so when I was listening to the podcast driving up here, yeah, you you had said, hey, I just got a business coach, and he told me I got too many businesses. I mean, ten-
1: technically, I mean, if you include Ria Radio's business, I have five small businesses. Mm-hmm. So. And then, and four of them, I, you know, it's single member stuff. So,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. It, well, I think, um, if I know anything out of the results of a business coach being involved, most of the time they tell you you're an idiot for chasing shiny objects. Yeah. Most of the time. I mean, and regardless of the industry, because so I think what happens is a lot of times you have an entrepreneur that whatever uh, niche they're in. So let's say real estate, because this is a real estate podcast. We're all involved in real estate and we, um, you know, have whatever our various businesses are, whether it's brokerage, just investing, whether it's, you know, like residential, commercial, you know, flipping, wholesaling, uh, buy and hold, whatever. You have different facets of that, but um, it's hard to put it's, it's just hard to put a framework around things when you have multiple companies that you're trying to be involved in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they come in and they say, okay, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Do you think doing Y and Z are more profitable for you and worth your time more so than you putting all of your energy into X? Yeah. And that's the, that's the challenge. It's because, you know, like if you're involved in X and you see over here, you're leaving money on the table because you're not doing Y. Yeah and then you start doing y and then you start doing z and so forth right so it's like you have a residential um you know buying and selling business and then you're like you know what i have uh like we use dumpsters all the time we should buy yeah. a dumpster company and then you're all of a sudden you're in the dumpster business and you're like well roofers use dumpsters all the time why don't we just start a roofing co-? you know what i mean it's like that. So that's
0: that's what investors taught me the most because that's that's why they built such a good brand um they're hyper focused.
2: They stuck to their knitting. And, I mean,
0: and, like, I mean, like that's what John, I mean. John is like, I'm a multi-family guy, you know, like, like, yeah. you know, investments, and like, even if we we still do other stuff, we still we still sell things outside multi-family, but it's not like we're advertising it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like it's like yeah. you, just, you just it's got to be super intentional about yeah. like how you're.
1: it's kind of like my my brokerage you know we're 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 mainly investments in the small multi single families yeah but We also – we don't really advertise it, but I have two agents that are really successful in single-family traditional market. Yeah. And it brings in quite a bit of money for
2: that department, but it's not what we market to. Here's the big differentiator. I feel feel that. I I think it's – we'll take McDonald's as an example. So McDonald's originally was built on the back of a hamburger or a cheeseburger that could be reproduced consistently over – multiple locations and you knew what you're going to get. You go to one McDonald's, you go to another McDonald's and you're going to have the same thing. So it's, it's consistently, and you can, you can expect the results that you're going to get. But you know, they're also like, do you want fries with that? And do you, do you have, you like, they have filet of fish, they have chicken sandwiches, they have all these other skews. McFlurries are the bomb. (laughs) So, but the point on that is I think you can overcome you're, you know, let's call it shiny object syndrome with as an entrepreneur where you're trying to capture multiple revenue streams. I think the the, w- the best way to approach that is having really, really, really solid systems and processes in place. Yeah. A la McDonald's. Yeah. So they have everything down to a science. They know exactly to the penny what stuff costs, how long it's going to take to make what their staffing is going to look like and all that. Right. They have a system. Yep. And I think that is if you have multiple businesses, but you have really, really good systems in place, then you can power through that and make all of that work together where you're capturing a ton of revenue and not being chasing stuff that is not good use of your time. Totally. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes, but I, str- I mean, I struggle with that. I Maybe. do too. Yeah. yeah so, same. No, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Um being uh, hyper focused oh go ahead. No,
3: sorry. I was just I was just thinking about what you're saying about being hyper focused and um the fact that people always talk about um having multiple streams of income because if one fails then you could fall back on the others. And when you're starting off as an entrepreneur, you always think about that. Like if I go into this and it fails, then if I'm doing this only, then that's it. And then I have to start over from scratch with something else. But if I have two things running simultaneously or three things running simultaneously and one fails, then I could revert to the other two and then go all in on the other two. And then if one of those fails and I still have one more and then I could start this one to try to to help that one. And that's like the the, the fear. The fear of failure is what kind of drives people to have more than one thing going at the same time. Yeah. yeah, that's
2: a good point. That's uh, a good point. Do you have a term in Trinidad that is the same as putting all of your eggs in one basket?
3: <sighs> is it like figs? figs. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I, I oh, your figs in hates the basket. He <laughs> me like, now. Look at him. Um, I need to think about it because I wasn't I wasn't ready for that question. But <laughs> we we say put um don't put all the eggs in one basket. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. We also we also um. This probably doesn't make is is not um, related, but we also say don't don't conk te, um chickens before your eggs hatch. yeah, mm-hmm. that we that too. yeah. right. so yeah. yeah, so yes, we have some country in us too. We have right. some Midwestern some in country <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a,
2: that's a good question. And this is an interesting topic though, because like um i I have the same thing like I you know, I have a residential you know like buying and selling real estate business. I have a rental property business, we have hard money lending, we have, we got into title, you know it's like all these things but i think the difference in that is like a i'm not in i'm not doing all of those things like i don't have to wear multiple hats for multiple businesses <laughs> i have people that know their shit yeah. that i can say go do you the thing that you're really good at and i'll just be the guy that i am involved in whatever and feed you know i'll will redirect my my business that way but I think, and you know, like uh, Mike and Jerry Schlickburn are good examples too. Like, they have a portfolio of companies they have where they're trying to capture residential, they're trying to ca- capture, um, you know, roof and siding work and, uh, what, well, what else? Brokerage and, and like title and everything else. The, bigg- like,
0: the biggest thing that you have to worry about is just the quality. Yeah. like that's the biggest thing. Like when you when you spread it too thin, the quality gets hit. Um, I agree with that. So yeah. that's yeah. my biggest. That's that, the That's right the now. biggest because because it because it's inevitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you're the leader, and like you're spreading your attention, like quality is going to take a hit when you are not focused on certain things.